you join me in your Bibles to the book of John, John chapter number 4, if you would please, in your Bibles to the book of John chapter number 4. It's good to have some old, old friends here today. Uh, I don't mean old in age old, I mean they've been friends for a long time. That's how you get out of that mess, all right? I'm not sure I'm out of it, but that's how you attempt to get out of it. Miss Charlene Harley is here today, and I was her pastor in the late 60s and early 70s, and she's here today. One of our charter members, I think, is here today, Brother Tommy Cross. He, he's here, and Brother Tommy was so instrumental in helping us get this thing on the road and building the first buildings and and I'm so glad to have him here today, and it's good to have you here. It's good to be here. Um, from what I'm hearing about the preaching, when I'm gone, I might ought to stay home more often, and uh, it's good to see you. I hope that you came today expecting God to speak to you, that you can say it's been good to have been in the house of the Lord. Hope you didn't come just to sit and to observe. I hope you came because there is a living God who is real, uh, a Holy Spirit that that indwells the life of the believer, that guides, that moves, that draws, that convicts. And uh, I hope that you came for the right reason. When you come face to face with an individual, <clears throat> several things are revealed. Most generally, when you have a face to face encounter with someone, both persons are revealed. Number one, you find out what kind of person that you are relating to. Number two, you reveal the kind of person you are in your attempt to relate him to. And thirdly, there's always probably adjustments that needs to be made so that the relationship can go farther. I'd like to talk to you today about a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus Christ and what that face-to-face -face encounter should do for you. If you were standing where I'm standing, you're seeing all kinds of faces. Some pretty, some some young, and some The problem with seeing faces is faces revealed reveals the heart. The reason I know that, the Bible says when Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost, his face shined as an angel's face. The problem with us, our face gives us away. I'd like to talk to you today about a face-to-face -to -face 
encounter with Jesus Christ. It was street sweeping day in Los Angeles, California, 1992, when a parking officer pulled up behind a brown Cadillac Eldorado and commenced writing a parking ticket. He wrote the parking ticket, the driver inside the Cadillac, ripped the ticket out of the book and laid it on the dash and left. The man behind the wheel of the car never reacted in any way. He didn't say hello, goodbye, or have a good day. The reason being is the man was dead. He had been shot in the head 10 to 12 hours before. Sitting upright, stiff, a little leaning toward the forward with blood running out his face. The officer was so preoccupied when what about what the man had done wrong, he didn't even take time to recognize the man. And he said, I had no idea that the man was dead. I was just doing my job. He was illegally parked. You know, I find that the church, and I'm talking about our church, is much better at dealing with law than we are grace. And what really should catch our attention is people's needs, not their offenses. You know, you think about it, we don't need to be writing citations and judgment. That's not what people need to come to our church. Our people that come to our church need the Savior not our condemnation or our judgment. And they come in all sizes. Jesus gives us a wonderful, wonderful face-to-face confrontation in John chapter 4. Please follow along as we read When therefore the Lord knew how that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee. I don't know if you know too much about that verse or not, but the reason he's leaving Judea is because of the attitude of the religious crowd in that place. And he left there and departed unto Galilee. The next verse says, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, 
which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave unto his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on, on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. That's 12 o'clock noon. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, that settled it? What nationality Jesus was, didn't it? How it is that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. The reason being is the Samaritans was a mix between Assyria and Jewish. And they were half-breeds. They were half-Jew, half-Syrian. Therefore, the Jews did not have anything to do with them. Jesus answered and said unto him, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me drink, Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Have you ever thought about this? You can't live without water. Nothing can live without water. Just a thought. I knew you knew that, but I want you to know that I know that. And the woman said unto Sir, Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. I don't know if you mark your Bible or not, but you can mark this water. This water. Verse number 14, and whosoever drinketh of the water. There's a little difference. You can't live without one. And you'll not eternally live without the other. This water, the water. The water that I shall give him shall he shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman says unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to drink. We'll leave off reading there, and we'll jump up just a little bit to verse 25. And the Bible says, And the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah's cometh which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Some folks say that Jesus never proclaimed himself to be God. Right there, he proclaimed himself to be the coming Messiah of the Jewish nation. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with a woman. Wonder why? Because men in the first century never talked 
to a solitary woman in public. Why are you talking? Wonder why he's talking to her. They marveled that he had talked with a woman, yet no man saith, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou unto her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way unto the city, and saith unto the men, Come see a man that's told me all things that I did. Is not this Christ. Our Father, we love you. We thank you today as we try to dive into this discussion, this event, this face-to-face confronting of Jesus with this woman at the well. And Lord, may there be a lesson in it for us, and we are here today. We thank you for the Word of God. And I pray today that it would sink deep into every heart in this place. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Could we settle it for just a minute? Why are you here today? You might say, well, someone invited me here. Well, somebody must really think a lot of you to expose you to the greatest news that has ever fallen on human ear that Jesus Christ loves you and desires to have a personal relationship with you. What a friend would invite you to their church. Why are you here today? Why is Jesus at a well in Samaria when all the other Jews always found an alternate route to get from where they were going to Galilee. Why is it that Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Messiah of the world, is leaning or sitting on a well someplace in Samaria? Verse 4 says, Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. The disciples did not argue. They realized, being Orthodox Jews, if they went through Samaria, that they would be unclean. They would not be able to go to the temple for so many days. They would have to go through the ceremonial cleansing that took place because the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Segregation at its very height. It is said, I'm not sure this is true or not, it might be, it might not be, so don't go home and say that Dr. Wolfenbarger said this for a fact. This might be a fact, or it might be a matter of fact. Who knows? But I do know that a Jew that had any dealings with a Samaritan who was of mixed race was, was meant to be unclean. It is said in many commentaries that if a Jew was walking down the east side of the street 
and a Samaritan was walking down the west side of the street in the afternoon. And the sun cast the shadow of the Samaritan across the street, and the Jew was to walk over or past the shadow. They were unclean. Segregation at its height. But for some reason now, the Son of God must, needs, go through Samaria. I believe if we look real deep, we'll find three incredible truths about why he must needs go through Samaria. Evidently, you believe there's a God or you'd not be here today. In some form or fashion, evidently, you must believe that there is a higher power. And for length of discussion and for, uh, uh, you know, to get by, would you allow me to call that supreme being God? I'm reading a book at this time, along with three or four other books. That's why I'm so confused. But I'm reading a book entitled, Jesus or Muhammad. God or Allah. Now that is a real stench today. Who did Abraham sacrifice on Mount Moriah, Isaac or Ishmael? Why does the Muslim pray toward Mecca? In the early history of Muslims, they prayed toward Jerusalem. They prayed toward Mecca. May I help you today? Allah is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is the creator, the self-sustaining Jehovah God of the universe. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. And the Bible says, and the word was with God, and the Word was God. And not anything was made that was made except the Word made it. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Jesus leaning against this well in our story is the same God that stepped out on nothing on creation morn and spoke and it came into existence. Now get a hold of that. Just spoke. Jesus needed neither chisel, hammer, or backhoe to get all this done. 
and the same one leaning against the well in John 4 is the same one that created it all in John 1. And he said, I must needs go through Samaria. Unknowing to his disciples, there was a woman in Samaria that didn't come to get water when everybody else came. But she waited till all the other women were gone and all the men were gone in the heat of the day. When the sun was at hottest, when the heat was at its peak, when it was absolutely almost insufferable to go to the well to get water, she went at noon. What a coincidence that her and Jesus met at the well at the same time. Would you say that's a coincidence? You mean that was not just a happening thing? You mean Jesus knew that this woman who drastically needed him had tried everything in the world? You mean to tell me that Jesus knew that this woman would be there and that he had a divine appointment to be at the well at the same time? You mean you're so outlandish to believe that? You think he knew you'd be here today? <laughs> you think you just happened by the well at this time? You know, even Obama, if I had an appointment with him, I think that'd be kind of special. That way I'd know how to put my bracket together before they ever played. I could get all the information on how to enjoy Hawaii. Because the last time I went, I'm still sore from going the last time. You know, if I thought that I was here today by divine appointment, that might be kind of special to me. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. Could I introduce you today to the man at the well? His name is Jesus. He's the son of the living God. He is the only begotten son of God. He's the water walker. Uh, he's the uh, dead raiser. He's the master physician. He can heal and don't need to take an offering. <laughs> he knows what you need. He knows what you think. He knows where you'll be tomorrow. And he knows just what you've done. And he loves you enough to hang on an old rugged cross and die in your place. Could I introduce you today 
to the man at the well and the woman at the well who had a face-to-face encounter with each other. Note first, if you would please, his personality in verse 4 through 9. Personality. When I talk about personality, I know there's a lot of sundering ideas, but it, personality is a distinct individual qualities. What is distinctive about you that others do not have? Look at his personality in verse 4. He says, now, I must needs go through Samaria. Then he cometh to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Do you think he knew it well was there? Have you ever been real thirsty? I'm not talking about every time you drive by the Dairy Queen, you want a malt. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about uh, when you just have been out a little while. I'm talking about when your tongue is swollen and your lips are uh, absolutely stuck together and, and uh, uh, you just about would do anything for a drink. Would you imagine in that desert area about lunchtime, you'd be thirsty. And the Bible says, been wearied with his journey. This Jesus at the well, he's human. He feels what you feel. He got thirsty. He got weary. He got tired. The Bible says that he wept. The Bible says that he ate just like we ate. The Bible says that he's at the well, and possibly since he's at the well, what do you get out of the well? Water. He's human. He knows. He's experienced lonely nights. He's experienced rejection. He's experienced misunderstanding. He's experienced sleepless nights. Everything that you and I experience, he knows how we feel. There's no valley we go through he did not go through. There's no mountain that we climb that he did not get weary in climbing it just as we. He was not married. He was smart. I mean, He was human. Not only was he human, he was God. The Bible says about him that uh, he was the image of the invisible God. All you ever going to see about God, you can see in him. See, God is spirit. The Bible says on down in these verses. I don't know how to relate to a spirit. I have enough trouble relating to people who are not spirits. But I tell you, I don't have nothing for ghosts. I don't want to be around ghosts. If there's a ghost at my house, he just bought it. Ghosts and mice, they can have it. One mouse will send me to the garage. 
I will get my gun. I will go through the house. I will chop him up in little pieces if I can. I will shoot him with anything I can shoot him with. I will mash him with anything I'll mash him for. And I'll get up in the chair and watch my wife throw him outside. I hate mice. You said, you're a big wimp. Yes, I agree. When it comes to mice, yes, I am a wimp. They're the nastiest, ferocious man-killers. That's what they are. I'm a man. <laughs> We're afraid of mouse. Masses, missies, whatever you call them. But he was a man, and I'm so glad that he was a man because he was tempted in all fashions such as us. Everything that comes down the pike that I'm tempted with, he knows how I feel. He was bruised and beaten beyond recognition. He knows pain. You're not hurting that he don't understand. You never slumped in a valley so deep that he has not gone first. He said, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Jesus is just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. But not only was he man, he was God. I must needs go through Samaria. He knew who was at the well at Samaria. He knew what time she'd be there. He knew what she had done, where she had been, and what she was doing at that time. He knew what she thought. She knew, he knew where she lived. He knew how deep in sin she had plunged. He knew, he knew, he knew. And yet he said, I've got no choice. My love takes me through Samaria. The law would take me around Samaria. The law would keep me clean and pure and holy, righteous and religious looking. The law would say, you can't go through Samaria. Jesus said, but love says I got to go through. And so he knew he was God, he was man, and he cared deeply about a woman that nobody cared anything about. Yes, he cares about you. He cares about the valley that you're in. He cares about the thoughts that you're having. He cares about the anguish that you have experienced. He cares. And thank God our Savior really cares. Verse 7 through 11, the Bible says this. Thus there cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me drink. Now the first thing, is she came at noon, she came alone, because of the embarrassment of coming with other folks. And then the Bible said, Jesus saith unto her, his disciples, like many of us, it was lunchtime. Then saith the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? 
for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She came along. She came by herself. I wonder. And then at the well, a conversation is began. Who initiated the conversation? Jesus said, give me a drink. She said, don't you see I'm a woman? Number one, and a Samaritan, number two. Now, do you think Jesus is interested in political correctness? Or about loving you? See, Jesus went past all the political correctness of his day. He went across the religious law of his day, and he just saw her as a person who needed the Savior. And so the conversation continues, and Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, who it is that saith to thee, Give me drink, thou wouldest have ask of him and he would have given thee living water the woman said sir thou hast nothing to draw with she's still confused about the water verse 12 art thou greater than our father Jacob Jesus answered and said unto her whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. Now, notice, if you would please, the little conversation continues, and it gets kind of sticky. You ready for the sticky part? Now, don't, don't let me make anybody mad, because I wouldn't want to do that today. It's Sunday, and I would not want to do that. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband, and come hither. You know, if you're going to talk to a woman, you need to talk to her husband, too. You can get in a lot of trouble talking to a man's wife. If the man don't know it, you and her can get in trouble because there'll be emotions involved that you might not later be able to handle. So if you're having coffee with somebody down at the job, tell her to bring her husband tomorrow. And if she says, I have no husband, let's look at the next verse. Ain't this fun? And the woman said, I have no husband. So, can I help you a little bit? She had no husband. Jesus said, you said well. You don't have a husband. 
Have you ever heard that deal, husband and one wife? Husband and one wife. You ever heard that? Ain't that strange? She's been married about five times. She ain't got a husband now. According to Jesus. Well, let me have to do a bit because your amens are dying on me. Amen, Reverend. No husband. Thou hast had five husbands. Is that what it says? And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. She must have been a looker. She's managed to get six of them. And the one she has now is not her husband. To make it in a contemporary definition, they were cohabiting. That's a nicer word than we used to use when I was a kid. Please, preacher, don't use the word you used to use when you was a kid. It's cohabitation. And uh, he said, you truly said it. See, she did not know that Jesus knew what she knew. She really might have been trying for number seven. Did you ever think of that? She might have been saying, since I am cohabiting, there is no commitment. He has not given me his name. He must not respect me. All he wants is me and the sheeps. So why not try for number seven? She didn't know it was Jesus. I have no husband. Foot loose and francy free, my fam. By the way, that's what cohabitation is. No commitment. You don't think anybody in our church would cohabit, do you? They would cohabit, they just wouldn't shack up. You say, I don't like that. I didn't ask you whether you like it or not. Neither did Jesus. Now listen to me real good. You don't deal with Jesus until he deals with your sin. And if you're not willing to deal with your sin, you can write Jesus off. He's not answering your prayer. He's not endorsing your relationship. This woman 
in the first century, it was impossible for a woman to get a divorce. The man had to get the divorce. Five times, this woman had lost a husband. You think maybe she's feeling like a loser by now? Five times, they've married her, they've left her. Five times, she's been left holding the bag. Five times, she's been rejected. Five times, her world has been shattered. Five times. And so she just probably gave up on commitment, on marriage, on the Bible, on God, on morality. She became tolerant, contemporary. She had not read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. She had disregarded Romans chapter 6. She did not know that the one she was speaking with knew that she had had five husbands and was cohabiting at that very moment. Before the living water can come, you've got to deal with your sin. God does not have to eat off dirty vessels. And nothing defiled will enter the kingdom of heaven. So, in a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus, she first of all realized who he was. Then he told her who she was. Then she said, Thou must be a prophet. I think he's a little more than a prophet. You know, there's all kinds of ways that this society has gotten the mess it is today. And I, I don't dare try to tell you anything. But there might be somebody here today Somebody who knows exactly how this embarrassed, lonely, rejected woman at the well must have felt. Some feel any form of rejection. Some are living in known sin and they know there is sin. And somehow or another, they figure that God will understand. I don't know if you know it or not, but just in the United States, cohabitation has increased 1,500% in the past half century. 1960, about 450,000 unmarried couples lived together. Now it's 7.5 million. That does not think marriage works 
anymore. Probably because of their own parents. Or TV. Or 10,000 other reasons. But I read where that marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled. And any bed outside of marriage is defiled. And God calls it fornication. And God says, don't you know that a fornicator shall not enter the kingdom of heaven? I don't know what that means other than let's go on to the next verse. But I've got good news. Listen, Jesus knew and Jesus loved. Jesus knew where she was, knew what she had done, knew everything about her, and yet he still loved her enough to go beyond political correctness, to go beyond custom and religious law, and went to the well to help her in her need. His priority was her, not his ministry. He put her as a priority. I don't know what they... But you are a priority to God. Secondly, he put truth as a priority. He said, now, I've got to reveal something to you. I know all about you. Is it a surprise today that God knows every skeleton in your closet? How would you like for your wife to know what Jesus knows about you today. I'll tell her, Marshall, next time I see her, you're in trouble. I want you to know that. But he knew me, and he loved me. He knew me, and he commended his love toward me, and that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. The good news is that we're all sinners, and Jesus loves sinners. Are you glad of that? Just a head, face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Have you ever tried to lie to your daddy, and he knew you were lying, and he knew you were lying, you knew that he knew you were lying, did that do anything for the conversation at all. (laughs) Do you ever pray? And do you ever pray knowing that your daddy knows what you're doing? And then you ask him to bless you. And then you blame God for all the rotten things you get into. I just want you to know today that in a face-can-face encounter with the Lord, first of all, you realize who He is. Secondly, you'll realize Thirdly, you realize just how bad you need him. 
she said, I want to talk about water, she said. And Jesus talks about this water and the water. How would you like to have known when you were a kid how crazy people would be over bottled water? Can you imagine? I honestly do not know how we made it when I was on the farm working out a bottle of water in my pocket. I don't understand. You know, I go watch. No, I don't go watch. But singers come and sing up here, and they got a 55-gallon drum of water that they suck on between verses. And I see ladies and men in public got packs with water spouts. And, uh, I don't know how we made it before we found out how healthy water was. Now, as a kid, we just walked by the creek, stuck our head in there, and hoping there wasn't any horse before us. And we'd... <laughs> Do you know water covers 70% of the Earth's surface? The male clink says you need eight ounces eight times a day. American takes five-minute showers, uses more water than a person in developed company, countries have all day. Bathtub holds 34 gallons of water. I said, how do you know that? He said that right there. Some folks in the slum areas, the whole household lives on seven gallons of water. Across the globe, about one in eight people lack access to safe water. More people in the world have cell phones than have access to a toilet. That's a mess. Every week, 42,000 people die from diseases from this water. Not the water, this water. Ever 20 seconds, a child dies with a water-related disease. We can't live without this water. You know the water that Pepsi and Coke fills in bottles out of the faucet? and sales to you for a dollar. Can't live without this water. Pepsi and Coca-Cola makes more money off water than they do of all the sodas they make and sell. Bottled water is a $10 billion industry. It's the fastest growing beverage in America, water. This water, the kind that they were getting out of the well. It costs a thousand times more than tap water. 
You know the water you buy in the bottle? That healthy water. This water. And 40% of all the bottled water is nothing more than tap water. That's without the filter on your tap. That's this water. You know you can't live without this water? Try it. How long will we last without this water? You say, preacher, would you shut up? Go on. Yes, I am. Do you know it takes three times the amount of water to make the bottle that the water is in than the water? Three times as much water to make the bottle that the water's in. That's this water. Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you will thirst again. No matter what Pepsi tells you, Coke tells you, or the freshwater place across the street tells you, you drink it, you're going to need it again, and again, and again. Do you know you can't live without that water? You can't live without this water. And Jesus says, but the water that I give thee, you drink it, and you'll never, can I have an amen? Never, can I have an amen? Never, can I have an amen? Thirst again. But it will be in your belly a live stream, life-given water. It will spring up into life everlasting. <laughs> she said, <coughs> give me a bottle. <laughs> give me this water. And once she got a drink of living water, eternal water, soothing water, she said, I know some men, in fact, I've lived with five of them, six of them. <laughs> I know some men that need that water. A face-to-face encounter with Jesus will not only soothe you, it will change you. And all of God's people said, it's your choice. It's either this water, the water. Put all your attention in this life, or ask Jesus and he will give you eternal.